Welcome to Let's Explore This, your Tri Sigma podcast. I'm here today uh, with my co-host, Sam. Bye, Sigma. There's only two of us on now. And I'm Kevin. Uh, it's still a Tri Sigma podcast because Adam is part of the, the trio. Yeah, but he coined it by Sigma last week, so we have to stay with that now. Oh, shit. Because it makes sense since there's only two people recording at a time now. Yeah, but Adam's always in my heart. That's true. So try Sigma podcast. That's right. <laughs> okay. Settled. Um, so first, I do want to update everybody that, uh, unfortunately, I have no news on what type of elevators are in the Arched Center uh, in Miami. <clears throat> I'm pretty upset with these people. Yeah, this is fucking I, nuts. Honestly, it's disgraceful. How do we not know this information yet? Yeah, I know. Like, I I tweeted at them a bunch of times, <laughs> and they commented back and said, hey, call this, call our box office. Call or email our box office. So I sent them an email, and I'm like, hey, just doing some research for the documentary about Mayor Pete, and I need to know what kind of elevators you guys use. No response. It's been over a week. It's probably because it's the weirdest fucking question they've ever had <laughs> emailed to them. Yeah, I don't care. They told me what to do. So I don't know. I might start up my tweet campaign on them again, but I also might just let it rest. You just got to let it go. Let it go. I, I do. What happened to the Sigma? What? Not letting shit bother you. That's why you don't change your underwear, Kevin, because you don't let shit bother you. <laughs> Be a Sigma. Hey, it's not bothering me. I'm just on a campaign I for the viewers. I think it's bothering you. I'm on a campaign to get justice for uh, Tyson Krupp's name. Because as of right now, people are watching the Mayor Pete documentary. They're seeing that elevator get stuck and going like, hey, that could be a Tyson Krupp. I mean... <laughs> I think you're the only person, literally the only person. I don't know, you know, like, you know, I know, I, I know, I didn't see the brand of elevator, but that, you know, that could be a Tyson crop. It's it's up in the air. Usually they're better quality. So I want to know. I mean, I I would assume that a prestigious art center would use Tyson crop. I mean, why would they cheap out? This is uh, what Kevin's going on about right now has been a continuation for the past two hours prepping. For the podcast. He has not stopped talking about this. No. I am living in a nightmare right now. Please help. <laughs> we need the elevator. Can someone, do we have any listeners in Miami? Can you please go to a show at the Arch Center? Arched, I think it's Arched Center. Um, and go find out what elevators they use. Please. Thank you. I'm gonna I'm gonna say don't do it. I'm gonna say don't do this. What? Don't go see a show. They're gonna feed your obsession. That's not a good thing. It, it would end it. You know, I would finally know. It's like enabling. Now you're gonna need to know what what elevators in every building. Every time you see like a documentary or something. Yeah. You're gonna have to know. You don't. This is insane. I need listeners to back me up here. Email us. Nope. Tell me how insane Kevin is. You don't, I'm, bro? I'm done. I'm no. <laughs> I'm done. I'm done talking about this. Okay. Um, well, 
I'm just an investigative reporter here. So, well, anyway, uh, how you been, Sam? I'm tired. I don't. I, I didn't sleep very much last night. Um, we got like a foot of snow over my direction, so that was kind of fun dealing with. I do have a. I have to thank uh, my mother for gifting me her old snowblower. So what would have been two hours of shoveling turned into 15 minutes. Sweet. So, yeah, it was nice. Yeah, I like snowblowers. Yeah, they fuck um, hard. Or they slap. Whatever you want to say. Yeah, yeah. I, I didn't I didn't notice something concerning. Uh, last night you were listening to Smash Mouth. <laughs> yeah, so what of it? I hope you separated the art from the artist when you're listening to Smash Mouth, Sam. I hate you so much. <laughs> I hate you so much. Uh, I'm not sure if you're you've been made aware of the recent allegations against uh, Steve Harwell of Smash Mouth. He had to step down. Yeah, he said he had health problems and he was obviously drunk out of his mind. Not an, ex- <laughs> not an excuse, but. <laughs> Yeah, dude, that guy's. <laughs> I don't know. I think he's been an alcoholic for a while. When I when I saw them in 2010, he was just <laughs> wasted on stage. Yeah, I'm pretty sure he was drunk when I saw him in Rochester too. I don't have any proof of that, but I just feel like he's a bit of a drinker. Well, yeah, he's living that rock star lifestyle, all star, and the train of consequences caught up to him. <laughs> Nice little Megadeth plug in there. <laughs> well, uh, you know why he got canceled and did all that? It's because we started talking about him on the podcast. That's true. Just like That's David Ellison. and Happened twice now. Yeah. So every time we talk about a celebrity, so we can't talk about anybody important. Maybe Mayor Pete is going to stop that. <laughs> oh, dude. Maybe we should just start talking about Joe Biden all the time. <laughs> talking about how much we like him, and then maybe he'll uh, he'll um, he'll have to like resign. Something yeah. will come out, and he'll have to resign. Yeah, then we can have Kamala Harris as our president, and Nancy Pelosi as our vice president. Two girl bosses. Yeah, slay queen. Um, that'd be cool. Well. Uh, nothing, nothing new on my side aside, except I got a cat. I have a cat now. His name is Ivan. He's a Siberian. Ivan the terrible. He is. He's pretty (laughs) cute, but he, uh, he gets into a little bit of trouble here and there. Just like all cats do. Pretty much. Understandable. Um, so yeah, exciting, now though. new cat that's exciting. Yeah, now I have a cat, and th- it's gonna get to be like 17 pounds. It's gonna be a big old cat. Shit's like hunting, a dog, it's a hunting cat. <laughs> I I have terrible heartburn right now. <laughs> that's no good. Yeah, uh, but anyway, you want to get on to the subject matter for today's episode? Let's press forward, comrade. All right. So I wanted to talk about my favorite thing, the Olympics. Sam Uh, checks out. (laughs) 
Um, and further proving my point that the Olympics are uh, used uh, for diplomacy and uh, furthering global development and international relations. Um, <laughs> because we are boycotting the Winter Olympics, which I think is absolutely stupid. In Beijing. In, in Beijing. Yeah, so, but uh, Mr. Macron uh, has come to the rescue of the West, and he has called it um, an insignificant boycott. So, yeah, Mr. Macron said any such move would be insignificant and merely symbolic. The U.S., U.K., Canada, and Australia have said they will not send government representatives to, to the February Games because of the concerns over China's human rights record which is laughable. Um, this includes allegations of abuse against Uyghurs and other minorities. Relations are also strained over a crackdown on political freedoms in Hong Kong and concerns about Chinese tennis player Peng Shui, who was not seen for weeks after she accused a top government official of sexual assault. China says countries that boycott the games will pay the price for their mistaken acts. Meanwhile... United Nations Secretary General Antonio Guterres said he had accepted an invitation to attend the opening of the Games. At an extended news conference on Thursday, Mr. Macron said the Olympics should not be politicized and that he preferred actions which had a useful effect. To be clear, and this is a quote from him, to be clear, you either have a complete boycott and don't send athletes or you try to change things with useful actions, he said. The president added that France would work with the International Olympics Committee on a charter to protect athletes in a veiled reference to Peng Shui. I don't think we should politicize these topics, especially if it's to take steps that are insignificant and symbolic, he said. In a wide-ranging conversation with reporters, Mr. Macron also touched on the following. He said he wanted the European Union to focus on defense and border protection, as well as reform of the Schengen Agreement on free movement. France takes over the over the six-month rotating presidency Schengen. of the UN. I believe it's pronounced Schengen. Is it Schengen? All right. Schengen Agreement on Free Movement. France takes over the six-month rotating presidency of the EU in January. He said the EU should rethink its budget rules to encourage investment as the world emerges from the COVID-19 pandemic. The UK government has failed to keep its word on Brexit, he said, but there has been progress in talks in recent weeks. Britain's role in pushing for the AUKUS security pact, is that how you say it? I'm going to have to see the word. A-U-K-U-S. Sure. AUKUS. (laughs) For the AUKUS security pact. With the U.S. and Australia, um, which prompted Australia to cancel a submarine contract with France, was not the most obvious sign of friendship. French French are still pissed at us. Yeah, is that AUKUS security? That must be the intelligence thing, right? I thought AUKUS was like, isn't that the A U K U S? It's like the Pacific. Is it Australia, United Kingdom, United States? Oh yeah. Yeah. Trilateral security pact between Australia, the United Kingdom, and the United States. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, under the pact, the U.S. and the U.K. will help Australia to acquire nuclear-powered submarines. Yeah, that's part of the pivot to Asia. Yeah. They did that. They screwed over France because France had like a a deal with Australia to sell like diesel powered submarines, and yeah. then the UK and US came in and like, 
bro, we'll give you some nuclear subs for like some odd billion dollars. And France is like, fuck you, dude. <laughs> Honestly, like he, Macron is right. Like the yeah. boycott is pretty pointless. Like yeah. it, it doesn't do anything. But the second thing to that is like France and Macron specifically have been trying to like project power, like their status uh, within the EU and worldwide for like years now. So I think yeah. that's a, like it, the whole thing's a show, just like the symbolic or whatever, not sending people to the Beijing Olympics. It's all just show. And then China saying like, you'll pay the price. It's all a show. And France being like, well, and like, yeah, it's all a show, <laughs> you know, like nothing, I, I don't like none of this ever is going to amount to much of anything. So it's just it's part of the. I don't know. It's just kind of part of the political move, oh, world that we're living in right now. Where like we're shifting towards a post-America world. That's why France thinks it can like pull its weight within the EU, which I don't think Germany would really <laughs> let them. I know that they they have their past problems, but like even with like the Beijing like moves in Beijing, and then we'll talk about Russia and Ukraine later. It's just. I think all these countries are just making moves in preparation for a post-America world, and that's just mm-hmm. kind of where we're at. And I, I do agree with the fact that the, like not sending diplomats to the Olympics really doesn't do anything. Yeah, yeah. I think you kind of got to go full full stop, you know, like because, like, yeah, all athletes are going to be there. Yeah, <laughs> I, I don't think we've ever. I don't think we've actually done a full blown. Uh, um pro like protests or didn't send athletes and i think it was like 1980 was like the only time we did that so yeah i I don't know wasn't to like russia or something yeah it was like i think moscow or something or i'm not sure It, it was in the soviet union yeah so yeah i i i agree i agree with that and i don't know it's just I, I, why I said it's laughable that um, they're not going over human rights allegations or whatever when, you know, uh, the United States companies, U.S. companies use this like slave labor that they're um, accusing China of procuring, you know, with the Uyghurs. Mm-hmm. So it's like this is in our supply chain. Completely like, oh, you guys are doing it poorly, but <laughs> we're not going to stop these products from coming in. You know, yeah. like the, all we're they're going to do. We're not going to stop shipments from China. Exactly. Know? Exactly. We would fucking crumble, you know. And so it's like, this is just stupid. And then like the political freedoms in Hong Kong, you know, I, I don't know. I, I kind of think Hong Kong, like. I don't know. My whole critique of people being scared of China taking over Hong Kong is like, you know, instead of a bank owning them, it's going to be China and they won't be able to go on Facebook anymore. (laughs) It's basically how it would happen. That's what would happen. Like China's not going to China isn't really going to mess with Hong Kong and like their day to day lives because Hong Kong is like the financial center of Asia. So it's a golden egg, you know, they're not going to mess with it. And all these people are just concerned about their investments there. And that is all this they care about. 
<laughs> like they do not care about if they honestly cared about the people of Hong Kong and their freedoms, they would build housing there and allow people and pay people more so they can afford to live there. Cause Hong Kong is one of the most expensive cities on the face of the earth. So the, all they really care about is their little haven. markets. Yeah. Their markets and their little haven in, in, in Asia. Cause you can just go in and out of Hong Kong with the U S passport. You don't need like a, uh, uh, visa visa. Yeah. You don't need a visa or anything. You can just go in and out, you know, and they have all that, it's just a big like entertainment and financial district for rich fuckers. Yeah. And I mean, uh, the world financial markets are so dependent on Hong Kong and it's, I think that's what it's, it's like they're so dependent on their autonomy mm-hmm. that that's the only reason that they, like they don't care, give a shit about the people. It's the fact that all that wealth is sitting there. And mm-hmm. like, if, if you take, if, if China would have full, full blown China have full blown like control that, that would just interrupt the, the financial markets and since we're all living on life support as it is the financial markets and corporations whatever like <laughs> that'd be a disaster waiting to happen yeah they just and and they rather it be autonomous um with a lot of heavy western influence than completely chinese yeah and it, it's they don't get like like you were saying. They don't give a shit about the like the people. They they won't even give a shit if like it, it, Hong Kong was like uh, you know practice democracy. They mm-hmm. really don't care because like look at Singapore that has basically a planned capitalist like authoritarian you know government in Singapore. Mm-hmm. We, why aren't we you know giving the same kind of protest there as we're talking about in Hong Kong? Yeah, you know they don't really give a shit. It's just all the optics. Yeah. And the only real reason that they don't want China's fingers on Hong Kong is because it prop like how we're propping up financial markets and that would just fucking throw a wrench in the whole thing. Yeah. Yeah, because the poverty rate in Hong Kong is pretty high and uh it's like a well known thing around Hong Kong that homeless people like live at the McDonald's because the McDonald's there are open twenty four seven and so they can go there and like, you know, get a cup of coffee or whatever and sit around and hang out. And they basically live at the McDonald's and there's people like I read this article about a, uh, an an ex policeman from Hong Kong. He, he worked, he was on the Hong Kong police force, had a pension and everything, but that didn't cover the cost, the basic costs of living in Hong Kong. So he had to move to Shenzhen and then he loves Hong Kong so much that he, just has like a tiny apartment in Shenzhen and he comes back to Hong Kong and sleeps in the McDonald's like during the week because he just wants to be in Hong Kong. So <clears throat> it's like things aren't that great in Hong Kong for the working class. You know, it, it, I, I view homelessness as a human rights abuse. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I view homelessness and, and, and mass incarceration as a human rights abuse. And the West is so guilty of that. Like, <laughs> it's bizarre and uh so yeah i just think it's laughable that they're sitting here saying like oh it's the uyghurs oh china's bad china bad oh it's like no you rely on that we rely on that to keep our consumption going like you're not yeah. gonna be able to go buy a fucking 500 you know 75 inch television without some slave labor procured by china or someone else like 
<laughs> yeah, it's we're disgusting. not, and we're not giving China a pass on this podcast. Um, we're just saying that you know we need to deal with human rights on a universal scale. However, we're pretty hypocritical for just saying like, "Oh, China bad, China bad, China bad." When we, as the United States, have more people in prison than any other country on the planet. So, yeah, they want they just want to move the slave labor from China to the United States more so than it already exists. Yeah, because how many how many times do like inmates make like two dollars like not even two dollars an hour sometimes making like products for these corporations? Yeah. So if you have more like yeah. <laughs> so they we make, have like, basically slave labor in the United States. It's just we don't talk about it. it's like, oh they're criminals, it doesn't matter. It's just like, you know, well, they're still human beings. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just it's so stupid. And like they use prison prisoners for like just like help around like government like uh like administrative areas of jails and prisons you know they get them out of the prison they send them i mean i'm sure you've seen what prisoners cleaning up highways and stuff Mm -hmm. you know like (laughs) we've always used prisoners to like just do the nitty-gritty jobs nobody else wants to do um and we basically treat them like slaves not much better in in any sense um so yeah i just think it's so dumb this whole thing's stupid and i don't know i think to, to me it i don't know i feel like we're kind of in the period like the pre-world war ii period right now and and that's what kind of worries me because like it, what was it, like the berlin olympics in like yeah. 1936 or whatever we didn't like salute the nazi flag or whatever which good (laughs) but it's kind of the same thing you know we protested the state the host state and and then with japan um you know we we sanctioned them uh and we're going to sanction russia even more over this ukraine shit and we're going to uh you know we're just applying that political pressure like that um to these big states over there and i think it were kind of like we're poking the sleeping bear and we're poking the sleeping dragon right now i think that's what we're doing i yeah i uh i think in regards to pre-world war ii i think the united states is more like weimar germany sure we're about to like in the throes of like megalomaniac but captivating a large segment of the population and basically trying to we had one push so like um i think there was like three before the nazis took full power or so i don't know mm-hmm. i don't know like history to the point but like i'm saying is like uh you know we're at threat of more having an authoritarian regime in the united states um now than i believe probably ever yeah and we have Since, rampant inflation yeah and although inflation isn't as bad as it was True. In, in Weimar Germany. And I think, I don't know, I'm not an economist, but I really feel like this inflation stuff is just artificially um, done. Because, like, corporations are, like, having record profits. Yeah. And it's just like, oh, they're forcing me to, like, raise my prices. You know, it's a law of supply and demand. You know, we, it, it, scarcity raises prices. It's like, you don't have to raise your prices. Yeah, 
I, I just, I think it's all artificial. I think it's all bullshit. I think they're trying to scare us from like, they're trying to scare us from like not spending any money to help people. It's just like, they're, they basically, it's like, well, you guys did too much with the COVID relief. You gave people too much money. It's like, they just don't want to give us money. They, they, they will do literally anything to make sure that corporations get more than regular people. And that, yeah. oh, it's like scare tactics. It's like, well, this is inflation. This is inflation. It's, it's like, uh, uh, uh. like, I'm not, like I said, I'm not an economist, but it just seems so made up. I think it's the only word I can describe. It just seems so made up to me that this is like a, like a thing. Yeah. Well, I, one reason for the record profits is that, um, we, like corporations sell off of replacement costs or whatever, especially when it comes to commodities. So like, for instance, like, and I, I really only have, I can only really talk on the metals, metal markets. Um, so like basically if I have a pile of steel sitting there and I bought it for 25 cents a pound, but then I have to go out and buy it somewhere else for, um, like I have to, my future steel incoming steel is 50 cents a pound. I charge a markup on that 50 cents and sell my old stuff. So then you, you make all this money. Uh, and then, and that's what the inflation is. So you make all this money off of that replacement cost. Uh, and then when that replacement cost material comes in, your margins shrink. And yeah, you know, corporations can't deal with shrinking margins, <laughs> yeah. but, but that's, that's what happens, you know, in commodities anyway. And like the farmer, I don't know. I, I don't know how much truth there is to this, but I, I did see a video of this farmer, like industrial farmer talking about how they were locked into all these contracts for um, cheap food or whatever, like all these old contracts on based off of old costs of like fuel and stuff uh, on all their crops. And next year they get to renegotiate that. And so they're going to start putting in all this increased cost of fuel and, you know, parts or whatever into their sell price for their crops. So that's going to cause, you know, food inflation. Um, I can't yeah. help but think, well, go ahead. Sorry. Well, I, I mean, I just don't think, I don't think we've seen the worst of it. I really think the worst of all this shit is going to happen uh, in like February or March, somewhere in that time frame. So what you're saying is I should go buy a bunch of canned food now, so that way I don't have to pay more <laughs> for it later. Yeah, just stock up on food. <laughs> Get the low sodium canned food though. Yeah, that's very true. I do have high blood pressure. Um, I had a thought and I lost it. I, I but I, I do I, agree well, with you that a lot of it's bullshit. Yeah, a lot of it's bullshit. But I just I can't help but feel like this is like inflation like this and like how our economic system work. It's just like a self. Um, what am I trying to say? It's like self-fulfilling prophecy mm-hmm. each time we do this. And like, cause we, we, it's all about the profit margins. I know like a couple episodes we were talking about like shipping empty shipping containers back to China to fill them. Cause they make more money doing it that way. It has nothing to do with necessity. If we shifted yeah. an economy uh, from being profit driven alone too like more sustainable and you know need driven i you don't even i don't even think you would see things like, like you would have to rework how economics works 
like how you think about economics and how you think about like that. And I think that's the problem because like when people like say like, well, you know, we can't we can't shift away from that. Like think of like the brain, like a brain power you'd have to put into like thinking about that because you only think about things from a capitalist Western point of view. Yeah. So, yeah. And I think we think of needs not as like something that should just be afforded to people to help them live. We think of need as the stuff that costs the most. So you pay more for stuff you need. It's not like we just we should just have it because we need it. It's something you actually need. Yeah. I mean, we're having a debate with healthcare right now. Like that's yeah. so fucking bananas. Like, yeah. do you really need healthcare? Well, you got to pay for it, you know? Mm-hmm. It's like don't be in between insurance either because you might be get hit with a fucking ten grand worth of fucking medical bills or some dumb shit. Like, yeah, like only in the United States. Well, maybe in other places, but like in Western countries, in modern countries, only in the United States is this a fucking thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's I don't know. I just think we live under this brutal, barbaric boot of capitalism, and it's it's just a well-oiled machine that and the United States government is just a cog in it. So to think that, you know, taking it back to China, it's like to think that we have any like say or, or have like in trying to stop these human rights abuses is absolute bananas. Like we should be on trial in the, like we should, (laughs) our last four presidents should be on trial in the international criminal court for all the fucking war crimes they committed. Yeah. I mean, there, there's so many and, and greenlit and there's so many people, just seedy people, bureaucrats that should be in the same position. But the only people that go to the international criminal court are the leaders we depose, the people who lose to us. Yeah. Those are the people who go to the, the international criminal court. I, um, actually, I actually just watched that movie, the reporter, whatever, with Adam driver talking about how the CIA tortured people with enhanced interrogations or whatever. Yeah, and like it did nothing. We literally tortured people for years, and it did nothing for us. Yeah, and no, nobody went to nobody went to prison for it. Yeah, just a license to kill, basically torture and kill. Um, but yeah, I guess when I was, uh, I mean, I guess taking it back to like my my little uh, war scare here. I I had four points that I brought up the other day. The infrastructure bill, it's kind of like the New Deal. You know, we're gearing people up to produce. Essentially embargoing China. Uh, I know, well, Trump, you know, did all the tariffs and anti-dumping duties on China. And Joe Biden hasn't uh, really repealed any of those. Expanding our military budget, which seems really odd since we just wound down a war. Uh, and then not going to the Olympics. And I already talked about the similarity there. So, um, yeah, I don't know. It just seems really weird. We're being super aggressive. And with the supply chain issues like the semiconductors, Taiwan has become a very uh, even more important place um, for the global supply chain. So, I don't know. I'm just, I'm worried. Like, if Russia takes action on Ukraine, like, how... How are we going to, you know, respond to that? If China takes action on Taiwan, how are we going to respond to that? Like, could that, could this be what tumbles us into the next world war? I think, 
I've, I've always believed that the kicker with this is that nuclear powers just don't go to war with each other because it's a zero-sum game. Yeah. You always used to say, you always used to scream that at me. It's a zero-sum game. Like, yeah. Nuclear powers ultimately do not go to war with each other because it's that's it. It's the end. And I don't think anybody wants that. Um, so that's like, I think what war looks like in the future is going to be economic and cyber. I don't think it'll be like between at least between like, you know, Russia, China, the United States, EU and stuff like there will be no direct war between these nations. It'll just be, you know, a, a tit for tat for like economics and then um, cyber attacks. You know, they could definitely critical like like um, do like critical strikes on our infrastructure because we're so fucking far behind on like cybersecurity and stuff like I think that's what war was going to look like in the future. And that's why we need to be obviously prepared for that. But I don't think it's going to be an actual armed conflict. I could see like the one armed conflict I could see, though, is like that Russian and Ukraine thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't think that we would really do anything about that. And w- in response to your, like your military built budget buildup, I just think that they can justify that by sending arms to like Poland and the Baltic states and Ukraine and then by pivoting to the Pacific, like we've been trying to do since I was in the Marines. And that was how yeah. many years ago now? Like we've been trying to pivot to the Pacific for so long. So I think that's where the justification for the defense spending, which I think is bananas that we're even spending this much on fucking defense. Yeah. But I think that that's well to justify it. It's like we're going to build up heavy in the Pacific and just sell a shit ton of arms to Eastern Europe. Yeah, I, uh, yeah, I think, I mean, I know like we're, Joe Biden has said that, um, deploying troops to Ukraine is off the table or not in the cards or some shit. Yeah. Um, but they did send a $60 million security package, uh, and then they're sending people to train the Ukrainian army. Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah, we are. It's it's almost like I mean, it's just what did this happen last time? Like 2014, 2013, when they took over Crimea. Yeah, I, th- I think it was twenty fourteen. It's like right yeah. at the end of the year. Well, and then don't forget in like two thousand eight when uh, you know Russia Georgia invaded Georgia. Georgia. Yeah. So kind of like a, and that's I I kind of said in like our group chat yesterday is like China and Russia have been kind of outmaneuvering us for like the past ten years. And I think that's just yeah. in preparation because we've been losing influence. And then when Trump was elected, our influence basically just went away around the world. But yeah. And if you I mean, not just just the backstory of the Ukraine thing, like Russia took over Crimea and then you have the Luhansk and Donetsk regions in the eastern Ukraine that are held by pro-Russian rebels. But they have troops there too, Russian troops. Yeah, they're just not like confirming it. So like this is been a slow going kind of uh they've been just kind of like doing this for the past you know 10 years basically getting ready for uh what it seems like an inevitable invasion i just i don't and plus with russia russia like i have the article here but russia has like 615 billion dollars worth of uh currency reserves mm-hmm. like so and then they have low uh you know, debt to GDP. So like they can like extra sanction hits and stuff. They've been prepping for this. Like they can take all this extra, like 
you know, sanctions or like economic hits that we hit them. They, I mean, they've been building up for this. So I don't know. I think in Russia's case, Putin specifically has like this vision of not the Soviet era, but more of like he wants to bring back like the Russian empire and bringing back that Russian influence in that region. Um, so I could see them. And one of their arguments is basically they think that in regards to Ukraine, that the border should be drawn how it was back in, I think, the Soviet times. And like the southeastern part of Ukraine would technically be part of Russia, I believe. Yeah, it, it's called it's called no- like the the Novorossiya um, state or whatever. I don't know. We can post a picture of it on the show notes or something. Aren't a lot of those uh, aren't a lot of the people in Ukraine or the parts of Ukraine that they're targeting um ethnically russian or something yeah but there's always been i mean there's always been a big push and like specifically putin and like uh, medvedev and like all the old russian oligarchs have been trying to push for a long time about ukrainian and russian like uh shared history and more they've been trying to push the fact that you know we're, we're, we're the same country basically Mm-hmm. as like preparation for ultimately taking over because like political problems in ukraine are bad i guess like they they're just it's basically just like russia they're like an oligarch state yeah so like it's all like corruption and everything so especially with like pending energy crisis and you know russia being able to turn on and off gas and stuff i i, I think that they can make situations so desperate within especially when you have an incompetent government in ukraine so desperate for a lot of the eastern part of Ukraine that if they did invade, I don't know, maybe they would um, not uh, think of it as such a bad thing, I guess. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. I, I mean, I think our sanctioning on Russia is pretty ineffective. Uh, I mean, I just don't agree with sanctions whatsoever. I think all they do is make is hurt the working class of that state. Uh, and then that gives, you know, that's that gives Putin in this case uh, more credibility. I mean, like embargoing, because then you get the boogeyman. They have a boogeyman. Mm-hmm. Uh, when we sanction states, the leadership in that state can then just say, "Oh, things aren't bad because I'm a bad leader. Things are bad because the United States is fucking us." Yeah, and that's yeah. how people see it. They've always seen it that way. Like after Vietnam, that's how the Vietnamese saw it um cubans saw it that way like (laughs) you know and i'm not trying to critique any leadership or whatever of these states but that's what happens when we embargo or sanction people is it just hurts the working class uh i mean you just see all these oligarchs in russia these with billions of dollars you know just doing really scummy shit like when they had the olympics for example in sochi that was like the most expensive olympics ever because they were like laundering money <laughs> through all the construction projects and stuff. And, um, and, uh, and then, and then Europe relies on Russia for energy. Yeah. And to keep the lights on. And, and that's kind of like Russia has built itself in kind of a position now where it seems like they just have the upper hand with the energy crisis looming and they can turn the gas on and off as they please. And so mm-hmm. if they if they restrict like natural gas prices in Europe are insane right now. 
And if they like, if uh, they just decide like, you know, we, we don't need to supply you with gas anymore, that'll just drive the prices up. And whatever gas they do end up selling is just worth that much more. So I think in the period of transition from like fossil fuels to like clean, clean energy is putting Russia in an actually an extremely good like uh you know they have more bargaining problem because like they're kind of what europe is kind of almost shooting themselves in the foot i'm not saying transitioning the green energy is a bad thing i'm saying they didn't see this energy crisis coming and so like russia is going to take full advantage of it because now they just that plus like the you know like the currency reserves they built are and the other thing with that is like they built them off the euro and not the dollar Mm -hmm. so they've tried to isolate themselves more from you know from the united states in a way like the sanctions will hurt less or like yeah. they, i mean the economic hits they can take them and they're kind of in a in a place in regards to energy because germany specifically gets all their natural well i don't know all but most of their natural gas from russia and i think that was by design because i think germany wanted you know to have some sort of good diplomatic relations with with russia so mm-hmm. I think that was the goal all along, but in return, like now they're kind of crunched, like they don't have any other option. Yeah. And the whole like post-World War II era and what the United or the European Union is built off of is that um, reliance on regional states. So like it started with like the French and German steel and coal corporation or something or steel and coal agreement or whatever mm-hmm. is kind of the... You know, that's the skeleton of the European Union because Germany and France were the ones who were always throwing Europe into <laughs> into conflict. So they made them rely on each other so that they don't do that. And and they're so, yeah, I could totally see, you know, especially when we uh, when the Soviet Union fell and, you know, it united Germany again, you know, kind of keeping them uh, in the conversation so that they don't try to, you know, come back and take revenge or whatever yeah i think the the thing when it comes to russia is like i've always heard them described that they've always been kind of like the boogeyman of europe Mm -hmm. they're european but not european at the same time and then that's why i think you know there's uh a rent not a renaissance like a push for like russia to be more of that place that it once held because after the soviet union fell like that that went away i've heard also like the the 90s in russia be described as their great depression and so like they're trying to rebuild it seems to be like a a talking point around the world right now i mean she's talking about in china like you got erdogan in turkey talking about you know reliving the good days like there's like a renaissance and like we need to go back to the old days. You got MAGA in the United States. Like I think everybody's yeah. trying to like capture this this rising feeling and it it's having real global implications and you know geopolitical fights. Yeah. Yeah, and I guess what worries cuz I know I, I do agree that you know nuclear nuclear powers don't want to go into an all out war with each other. Um I'm just afraid of it happening for the first time, you know, because <laughs> yeah, every, everything's a theory. That's true. Yeah. Like everything's a theory, you know, it's nuclear peace theory, you know, it's, it's, and I, I think it's very valid and, and I've encouraged, like, I think I'd say I, I've encouraged the nuclear proliferation in the middle East 
to combat um, Israeli hegemony. Um, the thing that I'm kind of worried about, um, I guess, is do you th- I, and I, I don't know if this would be true, but do you think we could ever war with China or Russia and just not use our nukes? I mean, anything's possible. I at the most I would see happening are skirmishes. Sure, because even like. I don't think a lot of people realize is that the, back in the day, the Soviet Union and China split and they were both communist states at the time. And there was an actual border skirmish that killed like quite a few people. Um, mm-hmm. So I could see if anything, it would be nothing more than skirmishes because you don't want to escalate. And I think every country realizes that they, you don't want to escalate beyond a skirmish into full blown nuclear war. Yeah, and and I mean, not to say that you're right. I mean, we've almost gone the we've almost had a nuclear war how many times on accidents? Yeah, like that's something that's that's kind of scary to think about. So, I would hope that all these countries would deliberately take steps to make sure it never got to the point where we deliberately start a nuclear war. Mm-hmm. I just I don't I couldn't see it. I think. It's easier to get drug into war to an end than to end one, I guess. And so, like, I, I just, I can't see us having it, like, even like a minor conflict because that would just, the escalation would just, the dominoes would fall really too quickly to even stop it. Yeah. So that I, I think, I don't know, but like you said, all these theories are theories. We talk about this in the podcast all the time. Economic theories are just that, they're theories. Monetary policy, it's just theory, like. Governments in themselves are just theories. So if you really want to look at it that way, we should hope our leaders are competent, but they're just kind of winging it, to be honest. Yeah, because it, it's like if we... Like, I'd say the United States, and I most of the world thinks this too, I think the United States is the biggest threat to world peace. Um, I mean, you had... <gasps> <laughs> even like Obama before... Um, he won his, the presidency in 2008. Like he caused a little bit of a, like an international like upset because he was saying like, uh, he said in an interview that he, he would go to war with Iran and pa- Pakistan. It, uh, and, and like George Bush had to call the, you know, head of state of those countries and, and like, calm him down like no we're not gonna go to war with you guys (laughs) um because he like said nothing was off the table or whatever um and then you had ted cruz say that he wants to turn the middle east into a sheet of glass or whatever you know and so we have these like legitimate leaders um whether you like them or not they have legitimacy they were elected officials who have been very hawkish Um, and so a lot of people think like the biggest threat to nuclear war would be if a state like Pakistan failed and, or a nuclear power failed and a terrorist organization got a hold of a weapon and launched it. Um, but I just kind of see our, you know, our culture turning into this, like, you know, we're whipping up all this hyper nationalism and stuff. Um, I could just see us like electing another, you know, someone more evil than Donald Trump. 
and and them doing it like what dr strange love or whatever this isn't that what that was all about yeah (laughs) my hope is is like because you mentioned like ted cruz is like my hope is that like we talked about earlier is it's all show that's what politics is theater Mm-hmm. I, I know they do that well. Specifically, the country that does that really well is Russia. Russia does political theory very well, and I feel like that's what we have in the United States and internationally. Because, like we've talked about before, like uh, all these world leaders like went know, know each other because they like went to school and shit with each other. Like, yeah, that's true. And so, like <laughs> to me, it just seems like it's it's all this like. A show it's it's theater it's like they have to like present itself now i i guess like president lauren bobert or something <laughs> like i don't know like i don't know if these people are actually like as batshit as they are or if they just are trying to whip up like their base kind of thing they're sure. trying they're playing they're playing to the crowd and True. kind of with like this past thing with like the 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 spat between Lauren Boebert and Ilhan Omar, which was fucking stupid. Yeah. But like, um, I think she was just being a, an idiot. Like she was just trying to, she was playing to her crowd and it was yeah. inappropriate as fuck. But like, yeah, I don't think, I, I don't know. And then like everything that fall, like, I just feel that anything about Republican politics specifically, and I I'll, like Democrats too, but it's just, it's just, they know how to play, play to their crowd and mm-hmm. i just think that's all it is i don't think any of them really mean what they even say like it's just like uh, uh, uh. yeah they just have no shame and yeah. will like latch on to white supremacy to uh yeah to further their goals which people um, are demons <laughs> yeah yeah i mean i yeah it's i, I i'm hopeful that you know it's all just theater you know, or whatever right now. And, you know, it just keeps the cogs turning. Cause that, that is a good point is that all these leaders know each other. It's, it's like, it's a club. I mean, um, Xi Jinping went to school with King Bibi, I think in Philly. Oh, really? Yeah. I, I want to say they both attended some like prestige high school in Philadelphia. Did you say he um, went to school in Iowa too? Yeah. And, uh, and Xi Jinping, I think that was a college like uh foreign exchange trip in iowa okay um that's why he loves corn yeah and so and and even like kim jong-un i'm pretty sure he went to school in sweden i thought it was switzerland Um, okay switzerland one of those one of those countries (laughs) um and uh, if you're not the united states fuck you Uh, so yeah, they, it is, it is a club, um, of elites and yeah, maybe this is all just a a distraction or whatever, but it, even, I I mean, like, look at, look at like Joe Biden, for example, or like all these people who have been in government for ever, like they, they've been involved in like diplomacy in some regard. And so they've like at lower levels of the government and just like all the people, like all the heads of state, you know, they were like lower level, you know, so like these people all know each other. The thing I will, I, I wanted to bring up earlier too. The thing to remember about Putin is he's a spy. So like he's a former KGB head or whatever. So like he, 
I guess the only thing I was going to say about that is like he knows how to, you know, do things more behind the scenes, I think. Yeah. And like. Yeah. And I think that's what that's basically what Russia's government is. I mean, it's just a, a league of oligarchs, like all these natural resource people who who just have tons of fucking money, you know, energy sector. I think they have a pretty good like raw materials and like metals industry there. Norlisk. Um, yeah. Norlisk, so, Russia, the fucking capitalist hellscape. Yeah. Yeah. So that's basically what we turned it into. Um, and, and they took advantage of that uh, post Soviet union. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, maybe, maybe we're just working in concert with Putin, you know, to justify like the current global order because we have to bring back the red scare, you know, China's scary now all of a sudden, even though, you know, we had Henry Kissinger and, and Richard Nixon over there, you know, going nuts and now they produce everything for us. Did you just um, find the KGB CIA connection? Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe, but no, I don't know. It's, it, it's just, I don't know. I, maybe I'm, I'm being too uh, pessimistic uh, about this, but there's just the only time there's ever been a peaceful transfer of power is um, when the U.S. took power uh, and became the world leader um, from the U- the U.K. and we stayed allies. I think it's just because we were both, you know, Western and Democratic or whatever. Yeah. So, like, what's going to happen if and when? Uh, China does outpace the United States. Well, I think military is bigger. Well, I just think that we're going to enter a period of um, regional power again. Yeah. Before before we enter before China becomes even a superpower, because you know with Donald Trump we've lost all this influence around the world. But even before that, the United States has basically been a dying an empire in decline, dying empire for. Mm-hmm decades now because if you even look at like the cia and like what they did um what i brought up the torture report and everything that is just proof that even our intelligence agency just doesn't even know what they're doing anymore like we had like they had their uh oh what their uh golden age during the cold war and then they've like they don't even do anything and then it just our, our influence and like it just seems like countries aren't even like we used to be like you know don't do that or we'll gonna fuck you up and like countries would like, listen but now i think countries are just like you know fuck you like you don't even matter that much like you you left the stage and then trump accelerated that for so long now and i mean even when bush unilaterally decided he wanted to invade iraq and stuff like that set the, like the world is just like you're out of control and you started doing shit without us. Like yes. EU has been trying to pivot away from us for a while behind the scenes too, like cr- planning to create their own EU army and you know shit like that. Like I just feel like the rest of the world has been planning a world once we're gone or not gone, but like has lost all influence. I think the world's been prepping for this for decades. And yeah. we're, we're just so like ingrained in our star spangled awesomeness fucking euphoria that we just don't even realize it. Yeah. I think the only thing that will, I mean, I, cause I, I've talked about this before is like, you know, the U S uses human rights 
you know, they try to be the champion of human rights across the globe uh, in order to maintain power. Um, they uh, good governance and human rights, <clears throat> um, and to, when they decide who to send like foreign direct investment to, where China doesn't. So like the global South and like where more most of the like the largest like working class like youngest population is going to be on the continent of Africa, um, mm-hmm. and so China's like doing way better there than we are um because they don't care about the leadership there and it's all just an economics game so we've kind of fallen behind and like you said lost our influence um you know i know trump was a huge reason uh why all these european nations are bolstering their own defense uh spending because they're afraid that the u.s is going to leave them out to dry with the nato agreement Mm -hmm. um and so, yeah, we, we're going to become <clears throat> more individualistic and the West is going to fragment while China has just been developing all these ties with the global South. You know, they, they have their own like regional um, organizations like we do. Like we, they have ASEAN, um, it's A-S-E-A-N. Um, <clears throat> they have... The Shanghai, they call them the Shanghai. It started off as the Shanghai Five. It's like the Shanghai. Um, fuck, I just posted this the other day. The Shanghai Cooperation Organization, which acts a lot like NATO, and the member states are China, India, Kazakhstan, Kyrgyzstan, Pakistan, Russia, Tajikistan, and Uzbekistan. And those are all countries that are poor and considered the part of the global South. And they have observer states. They have Afghanistan, Belarus, Iran, Mongolia, you know, and they have other, they have 10 other just like dialogue partners and stuff. And which one of their dialogue partners is Turkey, who we refuse to let into the EU. And oh, guess what? <laughs> who, yeah. who who's going to get more influence there when we sit there and, 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 and turn our backs to them? It's going to be China. So like China, and, and then they made the BRICS Bank, which B-R-I-C-S. It's Brazil, um, Russia, India, China. Um, I forgot who the S was. But yeah, so they, they, they have all Singapore? these like... Um, I don't think so. South uh, Africa. South Africa. There you go. Um, yeah. And so they, they have all this, like all these economic ties now in the global South. They have the Belt and Road Initiative. You know, they have this uh, manufacturing infrastructure that, you know, is premier to everywhere in the world. And we're just going to isolate ourselves. I think we're going to bring manufacturing back to the United States through automation. And because uh, we can be a self-sufficient state, you know, we have the energy, we can feed ourselves and we could, um, you know, we can bring manufacturing back to the U.S. Uh, and so, yeah, I think we're going to either I think you're right. There's going to be regional superpowers uh, and we're still going to be one as the, you know, North America and, and Europe. But mm-hmm. I think I, I think a lot of the multilateral, you know, workings and cooperation that exists in the west is breaking down and it's going to get replaced by the global south it's kind of unfortunate that you know this has all happened because 
the United States can't look past the next quarterly earnings mm-hmm. and have basically ignored all the workings because ultimately too of like minus India and South Africa, I guess, but the BRICS countries are pretty authoritarian. And so we're seeing a rise in like if the United States yeah, actually, they are. they're becoming, they're hyper-nationalists. <laughs> they're like, yeah, anti-national, yeah, anti-nationalism. They hate um, Muslims. What I'm saying is, if it, if the United, it's sad that the United States did not hold true to what it believed it was. Mm-hmm. And actually cared about human rights and, and protecting democracy and, you know, actually building good shit around the world. But we've basically didn't, haven't done that since world war two i guess um yeah i guess but i there's got to be i mean that's i mean if you want anything to be the scary part it's the fact that mostly authoritarian countries are on the rise right now mm-hmm. and the only good like we need to push coin it or i don't know if it's coined but the left the new left needs to just make the slogan their slogan basically it's talk just say democracy and humanity in the world we need to build Mm -hmm. and to counter the i say this specifically in the united states as people who are socialists or marxist in order to like break the stigma of like what people have been led to believe that means through like the actions of like the soviet union and china or whatnot you need to just make your slogan our slogan is we want more democracy and more humanity and explain it that way because i think it's the only way you're going to fight back because these other countries are building like this infrastructure for the passing of the united states basically yeah so i if there's anything that's kind of scary it's that i mean i i think the united states will just turn into like a like what well, already is like a corporate oligarch but it'll just be like more authoritarian than it already is yeah, yeah, I, I definitely think we need to, um, okay, so like, I, I think what's ruining, what has ruined the world, I guess, or, or gotten us to the stage we're in now. Capitalism! <laughs> it's, it's, it's globalization and nationalism. So like, you had globalization, uh, but it wasn't, it was for, you know, the corporations. So before... You know, we started really digging in. Like, we had all these military um, pacts and, you know, economic, you know, we, there is, there's always been international trade and this and that or whatever. But a lot of the corporations that started in the United States were beholden to the United States. They're beholden to the communities that they started in and they lived in the communities that they started in. Mm-hmm. And as they've gotten bigger and, you know, shipped stuff through American legislation, uh, shipped production outside of our borders. Um, and then they started introducing like a lot of, uh, uh, like green legislation or whatever to make us feel bad as consumers about ourselves. Uh, you know, they, they use that as an excuse to move the production like in Youngstown, Ohio, um, you know, the steel mill there that employed 1500 people, they blamed environmental policy, um, for why they shut down. 
Uh, and so then you got a whole bunch of people who just like hate the United, like the Democrats for coming up with the blah, blah, blah. You know, it's like, but really they just were too cheap. They rather build a brand new steel mill in a country that has lax environmental policies than just invest in their current works to bring it up to um, standard. Yeah. You know, that's the real problem. So anyway, we allowed these corporations to leave and not be beholden to the United States or the communities that they started in uh, and, and, and just kind of they, like we separated any power we had over these people. We got rid of it. We sold it off. Like all of our corporate, uh, all of our politicians sold off any power we had <laughs> to the corporations. And so now they can act interstate, you know, all these state borders are porous for corporations, but they're not porous for labor or normal people. And so that allowed them to foster this nationalist movement within all these countries who have become poor um, under this, you know, globalist uh, economic situation we're in right now. And it's divided us further. So the more we divide the, our states and the more we hate people like, like China or Russia or whomever, the more power these corporations have. Cause like even at the beginning of this episode, I was saying it was laughable that the United States isn't going to the, the, the Beijing Olympics because of human rights abuses. When our corporations take advantage of those human rights uh, violations and slavery uh, that China is doing. So the whole our whole economy that we love so much wouldn't even work without China doing these, you know, doing slavery, you know, having sla uh, allowing slavery and 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 oppressing minority groups within their own country. So like we're supporting it. Our government supports this kind of stuff when they write legislation to allow uh, free trade and this and that, um, but they're not supporting it when it comes to like they're putting the blame on Beijing. They're not putting the blame on the corporations that take advantage of it. Yeah, because that would bring down the whole house of cards that we built. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's the bottom line. Is like we we can't. The unfortunate situation to the what we've built in our economic system in the United States and around the world is that it's all on life support. Mm -hmm. So if we, in the inevitable like shift or change away from that, it's going to collapse the system and it's going to not look good. It's not going to be good mm -hmm. for people. So not to end this on like a fucking negative note, but like it might be a rough, rough coming century, I guess is all I can say. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I don't think we're. I mean, we just, and I think we've shown it through our response to COVID. Like, I don't think the United States isn't prepared to, or isn't willing, I should say. The United States isn't willing to protect the working class. Um, and I think when automation does come to the U.S., they're going to let them disappear. Which is why... We need to start a new international, and our slogan is democracy and humanity, and the working class people of this world should unite. 
They should. Let I mean, Trotsky's vision. <laughs> sorry, 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 sorry. That's really uh, Yeah, they. Uh, You're gonna have to I turn mean, that down. <laughs> screaming I, in my mic. <laughs> I I just think if you look at like if we take a look at like the how, how homelessness is getting so much worse here now, and no one wants to deal with it, and they put you know the onus of being homeless on the homeless person themselves you know it's like i don't think this many people would have just decided to be homeless well i mean they're, <laughs> they're solving the problem by increasing police budgets they're letting the police handle it yeah and that's yeah another th- i mean we got i mean we're running out of time but like that's another thing this is bananas like in, instead of fixing what we're doing instead of fixing all these problems is just we're adding more police to it mm-hmm. they're just saying we're just saying like here police go fix all these problems and since we militarize them, all they know how to do is fucking beat the shit out of people. I mean, I'm being yep. kind of oversimplistic on it, but like, it's like that's what yep. we do. Instead of like fixing these underlying problems, we're just like, oh, we'll throw police at it. We need more police yeah. officers. Our own state commits violence on us. They Correct. are committing violence on us, and you have to pay your way out of it. Like, seriously, if you don't make enough money in this country, the state's not going to help you. You're going to be subject to just like living under a bridge and having a police officer come and tell you to move. And if you don't, he'll fucking knock your teeth in a little bit, rough you up. Like that's, that's what we do here. We are a bully state, (laughs) you know, like we just need like our whole drive as people, the Sigma grind set is to make enough money. Yeah, make enough money so that you don't you don't have to worry anymore. You need to make enough money so inflation doesn't matter to you anymore. You need to make enough money so you can have a house and all you got to pay is taxes. You need to make enough money so that your children don't have to worry about money. You know, that's what we're trying to do. Like that that is like ingrained in our culture and that's why things like prosperity gospel are so popular in this country is because of that worship of money and 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 this whole like we're supposed to take responsibility for like everything that's happened in our own lives and it's like no we need to take responsibility for each other we don't need to take advantage of each other if someone's taking advantage of you that's a completely different situation we need to take responsibility for each other and making sure that we can all eat get health care live normal fucking lives feel good about ourselves, you know, not have to worry about the looming threat of war because, because Sony and Microsoft or Dell (laughs) create fucking computers with slave labor in China. Like it's absolute, it's absolutely bonkers. Like this is fucked up. You know, I, I, I've preached about how I, I like, but never practice Eastern philosophies and but what i mean by that is like the the answer to most problems are usually the simplest and what i mean by that is like we've created this over complicated world of what we have and i think the best like you're saying we need to take care of each other that just reminds me is like who are the real civilized people us or the native americans you know uh i mean what i mean is like the western powers that colonized the americas who who are the real like civilized people was it us and our what what we have today basically on steroids 
or was it Native Americans who like lived of the earth, took care of it, and like were part of a tribe? You know, mm-hmm. so like, I mean, even even Marx talked about primitive communism. Like that's how humans originally lived. We didn't live beyond our needs, and we took care of each other. You know, and yeah. then what we've created since then is just fucking. I think counter to our our um, who we are as humans. Mm-hmm. That's all we're all fucking depressed and anxious and want to fucking not live on this plane of existence anymore. Yeah, I mean, we've definitely replaced community with consumption. Um, and we did often develop communities based off of consumption. And you'll see that more so in like online communities and how everyone's like come online is, oh, hey, I follow... Mr. Beast and I bought the Mr. Beast uh fidget spinner. I bought the Mr. Beast uh fucking energy drink. I bought the you know that kind of shit. You know it's all based off consumption and and or or that fucking uh, that guy uh H3H3 guy like starting a whole clothing brand and stuff. Oh, I'm part of his community. I bought H3H3 shirt, you know, all that shit. It's just like I don't know. It's He's kind it's, of a goofy guy. <laughs> Yeah, it's just, it's fucking weird, you know, like, that's basically all, like, and if you look at, like, Twitch or whatever, you know, you have a community on Twitch, you have your favorite streamer that you follow, and you sit there and you just give them money. Hassan Abi? Yeah, you give them money, and then they give you emojis. Yeah. You know what I mean? So it's kind of like, this is all just a transactional, like, culture and our community has just become so transactional and we give expecting to get something in return you know i, I don't know it's it's bizarre it's bonkers like oh i can't give that homeless guy money he'll just go buy drugs or something like that you know like we have to make i don't know it's it's stupid well kevin <laughs> i'm fucking depressed thank you anyway thank you for this we can wrap it up. <laughs> Thank you for this this hour long fucking depression well, fest. All right. Thank you. This is what I, I just think this is the last thing I'll say on it. I think we need to see through this bullshit and all this propaganda laid out by the US with human rights. And I, I really do think the US uses human rights and environmental policy as reason to uh criticize growth and development of other nations so that we can maintain our hegemony um and i'll i'll expound on that in later episodes but uh yeah i i just think we need to see past that nationalist propaganda and like it's almost like the uh what's it called um the expansion thing divine or uh manifest destiny manifest destiny yeah like it's just like it's the US. This is the best it can be, blah, blah, blah. We need to think beyond borders. We need to think beyond countries and states and heads of state because it's all paid, bought and paid for. The international capitalist class has no skin in the game whatsoever. And we need to take our power back. And the only way that we as people and working class individuals will be able to take our power back is if we get rid of heads of state. Like if we we need to create a one world government, we need to take things like the UN. Actually, we can scrap the UN because that's Western centric, but we need to create organizations like the UN, but 
have everyone's input in there. Don't have these trump card countries like the U.S., China, Russia, you know, the defense um, committee or the fuck they call them. We need security. Council. Ha- yeah, the Security Council. We need to have an international organization and a governing body that's beholden to the world and not just regional powers. Take it easy, Mikhail Bakunin. We need it, dude. That's the only way. I mean, the international capitalist class already has that. They already have that. Like they can literally, you can literally get a visa and live in the United States for three years if you pay the government $5 million. You know, like (laughs) you, you can just go anywhere if you have money. And it, like they're even fucking going to Mars now. And so it's like once these people leave, what, what happens when they're not even beholden to Earth? That's the big question. Well, God, uh, God, mm. Emperor Musk will solve all our problems. Yeah. I'm really afraid of what's going to happen to Earth when people live on Mars. God, I, Emperor. I'll hopefully just be, be dead by then. So anyway. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for listening, folks. Uh, anyway, uh, so yeah, thanks for listening, everybody. Uh, just a few plugs here. Um, our Twitter is at explore underscore pod. I know even though Adam runs the account, he doesn't know the handle. (laughs) Uh, so our, uh, Twitter is at, uh, explore underscore pod, and you can send us emails at let's explore this, uh, pod at gmail.com. Again, let's explore this pod at gmail.com. We also have a Patreon, just patreon.com slash let's explore this. But if you uh, go to our link tree, either in the podcast uh, bio, uh, Twitter bio, or uh, in the show notes, you'll get a, uh, a nice, easy screen to all uh, where you can listen, um, our Patreon, our Twitter, everything you need. So uh, check that out. But thanks for listening, everybody. Bye. If I could, I would suit you a great divide Grind an edge on a blunted pride Make my way out of line If I could, I would break the grip of a hole Boldly do what no man has done Ditch my crutches and run
It's a fickle market It's a dragon to gas and I can't 